Welcome to the Your Destiny Podcast. What a great week. We totally love this week. This is the best teaching week in the whole universe. Well, because I'm teaching, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, it's, it's just the subject matter. It's kind of lovely. And this... Uh, this first session is, a, is a kind of by way of introduction. You can see the title. If you don't need glasses, receiving grace. So it's it's just it's just the best subject matter in the whole world, in my opinion. Mind you, I probably say that about everything I t- talk about. But yeah. So is, if Sarah's crocheting, is it all right if I drink tea and chomp? flapjack while I'm teaching too. You can't say no to that. Cheers all. Right. Now, I had a good time in gym this morning and my legs are not aching because I've just learned a different way to squat, which has nothing to do with this talk. But, yeah, squat. Like this. I can, manage, I can squat now without flexing my ankles. And, it, and it is, they're doing it to stop causing me knee pain, hopefully, but anyway. What? Listen, this is part of me. This is just what I do. It's life. And we were having a good laugh in the gym about names, which I'll, probably, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about. <coughs> <coughs> but before I talk about that, I, I just thought that uh, Andy used some interesting terminology this morning, didn't he? He used, he used a very interesting concept. I don't know if it snuck in into your brains. He said, you're going to meet some people who are much freer than you are. Well, my question to you is, has Jesus made you totally free because of what he did on the cross? Has he not made you completely free? So if that's the case, how is it possible to be more free than completely free? How can you come across anybody who's more free than you if you're completely free by Jesus? (laughs) Sorry, go on. I suppose it was a question, so I suppose I should be ready for answers, yeah? Go. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Well, it's just an interesting question, isn't it? And... uh, that does relate to what we were laughing about in the, in the gym. I won't, uh, I won't tell you the kind of names we were laughing about because it was kind of getting very male humor. Uh, so I, I won't go into any great details, uh, but we're having a really good laugh about names. And uh, my name, you know my name, Irvin. <clears throat> and uh, my nickname at school was Irv. Sounds great, doesn't it? It, it, it sounds horrible. <laughs> and it used to get added to. So I was Irv the Swerve. I was Irv the Perv. <laughs> I've stopped laughing now, haven't you? See? Yeah. yeah, well, I wasn't laughing at school either because, in fact, at school, I, uh, I got really, really bullied. And uh, Irvin is not my first name. My first name is Alan. Irvin is my second name. My dad chose my second name, and and I was called by my second name. So I was kind of really deeply, deeply 
upset at school <clears throat> by being called my second name when everybody else was called by their first name. And my first name was a really nice name. It was Alan. <coughs> so if nobody would have made fun of Alan, I don't think, I don't know. But Irv, oh, everybody made fun of Irv the perv. And, <coughs> and I, used to, I used to get really, I used to get beaten up at school. And so as a result of that, I grew up absolutely hating nicknames. I, I hate derivative names. So when my son, Andrew, wants to be called Andy, I don't want to do that. He wants to be called Andy, but I want to call him Andrew. <laughs> All right? Do you understand why? Can you see why? Yeah. Um, so I, I just want you to know I love my name. <laughs> I love my name Irvin now. I wouldn't want to be called my, by my first name, Alan, except I'm called my, my surname is Scrickets, Alan as well. But <clears throat> and, and God has done something to make me very, very happy with my name. Yeah. Um, so I just, I just shared that because it's very clear that the past cannot dictate who I am. The past cannot make me who I am. God, God has made me who I am. God calls me who I am. But the past can influence what I believe about myself. And it can influence my behavior. And it definitely did with my name, for example. I just want to give you another illustration. Um, I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, one of the most famous passages in the Bible. Uh, all right, and I want you as an exercise to do this. When I say love is patient and kind, and then I'll stop. And then I want you to say, I am patient and kind. Because you know that God lives in you. God is love. Therefore, love lives in you. You, know, you understand all that, don't you? Yeah, you had the Father Heart Week last week. So, so let's say it. Love is patient and kind. I am patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. I am not jealous or boastful. Love is not arrogant or rude. I am not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. I do not insist on my own way. It is not irritable. I am not irritable. Oh, we're going well, we're starting to laugh. Starting to laugh a bit now, right? Or resentful. I am not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong. I do not rejoice in wrong, but it rejoices in the right. I rejoice in the right. Love bears all things. I bear all things. Love believes all things. I believe all things. Love hopes all things. I hope all things. Love endures all things. I endure all things. Now, how many of you are lying? 
Put your hands up if you are lying. I'm putting my hand up. Hey, uh, uh, go up. I'm not saying anything. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> but I want to just point out, there's a gap there, isn't there? There's a gap with who we know ourselves to be and how we actually behave. You know, you know how many times have, has, you know, somebody who's a bit, ha, 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 and then they suddenly, they have a fall. Have any of you ever gone, oh, yes. Have any of you done that? Yeah. Love doesn't rejoice in the wrong, you know. <laughs> doesn't rejoice when people take a plummet and fall and all of that. And irritable when somebody just presses your button. Oh, you're never irritable. <laughs> Come on. There's, there's, there's an interesting divide here, isn't there? And straight away, we come into the difference between the truth, the truth, you are in love. God's love is in you. And there's a little bit of a difference between that and one or two facts. The facts, okay, I occasionally get irritable. Okay, I occasionally do a bit of air punching when somebody comes a cropper, you know. You know, Mm, yes, perhaps I would like the things that they've got, you know, perhaps this, perhaps that. The, somehow the facts about the way we behave don't always fit the truth we know. Would you agree with that? So, you've already begun as a school to talk about grace. We, we know what grace is, and this is my definition of grace. Grace is what God has done. I think that's a great definition of grace. Grace is what God has done. Uh, I'm going to give you sets of notes, but I don't want you to look at them at the moment, but I'll just read them up for you. Right. For example, you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. The old has gone, the new has come. You're a new creation. Okay? You're God's child. 1 John chapter 3. The, the writer of the letters of John says, that is what you are. How wonderful that God should call us his children. So we are. You are a child of God. God is your dad. Right, you're fully in him. I have to read some. Oh, no, I'm not going to go through them. I'm not going to go through them all. You're full, I'll just read the list. You're fully in him, right? He is fully in you. Would you, would you agree with all of these? Uh, I want to get a head shake there. Not sure. Yeah? Not sure. He's removed your sins from you. You're okay with that one? Yeah, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. Right? And he has given us his righteousness. Right? He has taken away your sins. He has given you his righteousness. All of that's true. Right? And you have everything you need to manifest him in the world. I'll read this one. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter is an interesting one. Hard to find. Peter, James. No, James, Peter, John. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 to 10. Let me read this one. His divine power has granted us, you, all things 
that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called you to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his very great and precious promises, that through these you may escape from the corruption that's in the world because of passion and become partakers of the divine nature. And it goes on and on. Right? You are partakers of God's divine nature. All of these amazing things are all true. All of these statements I've said are all true about you. So, you know that Sue and I are in this uh, Sosa ministry, don't you? Which is uh, a kind of uh, modern version of an inner healing ministry. Now, if all of these things are true, you're a totally new creation. Why do we still behave as if we're not? If you are full, totally full of the righteousness of God, why do you feel unrighteous some of the time? I mean, why do we need help to be freer if we are completely, totally free? Well, if you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 8. Do we have spare Bibles? I don't know. Just trying to get a Bible for you guys. Yeah. Because I do want you to read this. We're going to be looking at John chapter 8, starting at verse 31. Is, is Colin getting some? Okay, so I'll, I'll start then. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 31. But we'll start before that, actually, because... A bit of theology here. No, I'll be all right. Okay, a little one. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, sticking in front of me. Yeah, that's great, yeah. Okay. We'll start. I just want you to look at a little bit earlier. Je- Jesus is talking to Jews, okay? And he's explaining some t- something to them. And he says this. He, and he was talking about to them about heaven and about the Father. And then he starts talking to them about salvation, Uh, In verse 28, he said, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing in my own authority, but speak thus as the Father taught me. And He who has sent me is with me. And it's interesting, you know, he said, When I've been lifted up. And you may not recall, but in John chapter 3, he has a little chat with Nicodemus, Pharisee. And Nicodemus says, Jesus, I just don't get this. How can people be saved? And Jesus said uh, something very interesting. 
Nicodemus is asking, how? You know, how does it happen? What's the method, mechanisms of salvation? How do people get saved? And Jesus is talking about, you know, uh, Nicodemus doesn't understand. So how can somebody be born again a second time? You know, once you're born once, how can you be reborn? And Jesus is talking about being born of the Spirit. And, and, then, and he says this to Nicodemus, and he's explaining how it happens. He says, when the Son of Man is lifted up in the desert, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, then I will draw all men to myself. In other words, as people look, just as, just as the people in the wilderness in Moses' day looked at the serpent being lifted up, I mean, these people had been bitten by snakes, totally poisonous snakes, and there was no survival. If you got bit, you died. And so these people who'd been bitten had no hope at all. And God said to Moses, I'm going to, do, I'm going to get you to do a really important medical thing. Make a little brass model and stick it on a pole. And to get saved, all you have to do is look at it. <laughs> and then you think, oh yeah, how cool is that? What is this nonsense? And I bet you loads of people just would not do it. And guess what happened? They died. But the people who looked at it got saved only by looking. Only by looking. He just said, you have to look. He didn't even say you had to have faith, strangely enough. You just had to look. And they looked and they, and they lived <laughs> And what do you think that did in the hearts? Boom! What? This universe is not like I thought it was. All I have to do is look. And it is God alone who saves me. It's nothing, I can't do anything else except just look and hope. How amazing is that? And Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, Salvation comes from abandoning all of your own hope. Give up hope of ever trying to do it by yourself. Just look. It's only me that can do it. So that sort of sudden realization, that turning around, that I can do things myself, and you have to turn around and say, I cannot do it myself. I can only just, I don't know how God does it, but I have to, tr I have to trust that he can do the miracle. That simple trust is what saves. And so Jesus is talking to these Jews now in John chapter 8 about that same thing. He says, when the Son of Man is lifted up, when you have lifted up the man, then you'll know. Right? He's talking to them about faith, which gets them saved. Just like he was talking to Nicodemus. And then it says in chapter 30, as he spoke thus, as he spoke in that way, as he talked to them about salvation, many people believed in him. Wow. These are Jews suddenly believe in him. Wow. He's talking to them about saving faith and suddenly many Jews believing in him. It's a, it's a fantastic moment in scripture. You know, pennies, you can hear pennies dropping. Dong, ding, ding, ching, ching. Pennies beginning to drop. We, in our Jewishness, cannot do it by ourselves. We can only look and believe in the incredible graciousness of God who does it all for us. <laughs> Jeff Godfrey Bertel, all win, no fee. We can't do it. 
Jesus paid it all. He did it all. So Jesus is talking to them about this. And it says, and as he spoke that way, many people believed. <laughs> so isn't it great? He's talking to believers now. Jesus is now talking to believers. Chapter John 8, 31. He's talking to believing Jews. Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue, this is great, isn't it? We love this word. We love this verse. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And, if, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Fabulous. Or in this particular version, I think it's, uh, I don't actually, I, I didn't write down what this version was, but I like this one. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold on to it, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. All right. Great. I love that translation. Has anybody got NIV? Is it an NIV? Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what translation it is. So I just want to point out there are four steps in that. Every sermon has a four-step sermon. Here we are. First of all, belief, right? To the Jews who had believed in him. Step number one, belief. That's a prerequisite, right? Jesus is talking to, to Jews who believed in him. So that was a prerequisite. That was, that was a necessary thing for what followed on okay if you believe in me that's the first step which you have to do and then interestingly if you hold on to my truth if you continue to hold on to my truth that's an action okay that's something you have to do if if you believe in me yes you already believe but if you then hold on to my truth and keep hold of it then you're truly my disciples so that's point number two. That's an action. Point one is a prerequisite, belief. Point number two, holding on to his truth is an action. Then you will know the truth. And we know all about that knowing, don't we? You know like you know like you know. I know my wife like you do not know her. Okay? As a result of holding on to the truth as a result of that then you'll know the truth and then the truth will set you free okay i'm just pointing out to you it's a very lovely verse but it's re it relies the, the the benefits of these of what jesus said here relies on you holding on to the truth and his teaching okay Good, huh? So far, so good. Let's carry on a little bit. Verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, I truly, I say to you. What? So it sounds, it sounds great up to now, doesn't it? You think, oh, yes! Great. Okay, carry on. Jesus answered them, Truly, I, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not continue in the house forever. The son continues forever so if the sun makes you free you will be free 
indeed. I know that you're Abraham, your descendants of Abraham. Now he's talking to Jews who believed him here, okay? I know that you're descendants of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. What? What? What's that? These Jews have just believed him. He spent ages talking to them about salvation and they believed. They repented. They changed their minds. They said yes. And he says, my word finds no place in you. What? What's happening there? Does does that work for you? Doesn't, Doesn't seem to work for me. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you heard from your father. Ooh, that's hard. He's telling them that the devil is their father. Uh, they answered him, Abraham's our father. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. Blah, 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 and so on. And later on, he talks about the devil being their father. Now, that is hard teaching. And Jesus was kind of shocking them. He was, that, was, that was shock talk. And uh, let's, I just want to unpack it a little bit for you. Right. So he's talking to people who believed him. So, but then he said to people who believed him, you don't have any space in your heart for my teaching. You don't have, there's no room for my teaching. My, my word finds no place in you. And um, clearly, belief in Jesus and having room in your heart for his word are different things. Okay? Clearly, Jesus is saying that. Belief and having room for his word in your heart are different things. And it's all to do with the head and the heart. Back to my name. Okay. My name is Irving. It's a lovely name. My dad gave me this name. But various wounds, various things that had happened, being beat up, and and I'll maybe sometime in the future talk to you a little bit my relationship with my dad, which was very, very difficult indeed. The fact that my dad gave me that name. Oh, that was So there were lots and lots of things going in my life. And so what what had I grown up believing? People hate me. People want to beat me up. People want to beat me up because of what I'm called. My name is horrible. I'd grown up with all these beliefs in my heart. So I become a Christian. And God says to me, So, okay, I know that's true now, right? I've believed in him. So he says, okay, are you going to continue in my word? Well, I've heard it, but I can't continue it. Why can't I continue it? Because actually, I know deep inside that I'm rubbish. There's something occupying the space. Does that make sense? There's something occupying that space. My, my, the room in my heart is full of trash. Beliefs and things which have happened in my life that somehow 
mean? We, we use the phrase in English, it's like water off a duck's back. Have you heard that? You know, water off a duck's back, you know, a, a duck can swim through the water and the water just flows off its feathers, doesn't get in. And it's kind of a bit like that. You know, anybody tries to tell me, you've got a wonderful name. It's, it's taken me a long time to learn to love my name because I spent a long time being beaten up for my name and being told that my name was stupid, my name was horrible, my name was ridiculous. And I grew up believing my name is stupid and horrible and ridiculous. And my name kind of represented a part of me. So I grew up believing I'm stupid, I'm horrible, I'm ridiculous. So when God comes and says, hey, I love you, water off a duck's back. I couldn't, I could hear him. I can hear it. I get it there. But can I hold on to it? Well, the answer has got to be yes. But it was very difficult. It was very, very difficult to hold on to that teaching. So did, did I become free instantly? Did I suddenly, instantly, the moment, moment I became a Christian, did I love my name? No. Right? It didn't happen straight away. Did that truth set me free? No. Why? Did I really know that truth to be true? No. I didn't know the truth in the way that I know my wife, Sue. I knew it here in my head, but I didn't know it here because there was already something occupying that space. Does that all make sense? Now, just a, just a little bit thing about this verse, by the way. Jesus was talking to... He hadn't died on the cross at that point. And he was talking, still talking about people who were hung up in the, in the old covenants. And Jesus, when he talked about their father, the devil, he was simply talking about where the source of lies in your heart come from. Right? Who is it that wants to beat you up? Sorry, it's, it's an obvious answer. Sounds like a squirrel, but I'm sure that the answer is Jesus. Sorry, no, that's, that's an old joke. <laughs> who is it that wants to beat you up? It's the devil who wants to beat you up, isn't it? The devil is the father of lies. Who's kind of involved in this? You know, with my school colleagues beating me up and telling me I'm a piece of trash. Who's involved in that? Who's kind of loving me getting hold of those lies? Okay, I'm a piece of trash. I'm a piece of rubbish. It's the devil, isn't it? Yeah, he's kind of involved in that. Sorry, I don't want to honor the devil too much, but that is just the, what, the thing he did. What were his first words to Eve in the garden? Anything? Remember? Did God say? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Did God say? Came, his first words were lies. Okay. And that's the only weapon the devil has against us, lies. That's the only weapon he has against every one of us in this room, just simply lies. So, so we believe, okay, so how do we hold on to this teaching? I just want to illustrate, I'll just, let me just give you another illustration. Um, again, at school, I had a great time at school. <laughs> and uh, I was... Uh, in uh, primary school, I think I was 10 years old, and uh, my 
teacher was a lovely man, headmaster, sorry, my headmaster, a lovely man called Mr. Backhouse. And uh, we used to have a tuck shop. You know what a tuck shop is? A tuck shop is like a, a food shop. And he was a, he was a great guy because he, he, he started this tuck shop going, this food shop. And the kids would go out to the shops, buy the food, and then they'd sell the food. So he gave them money, they'd go to the shops, they'd get a receipt for it, and they'd buy all this food, and they'd, they'd sell the food on. So he was teaching them lessons in life. And, and there were certain trusted guys who were the oldest ones in the school who were trusted to do this. Well, he didn't know, but these guys were real, you know. <laughs> One or two of these were the guys that used to bully me. And uh, they were always stealing the, the food, the crisps and the top. They were always stealing them. And everybody knew that. And they kind of used to brag about it. You know, they, they used to be proud of the fact that you could steal all these things and get away with it. And uh, I remember one day thinking, I wonder if I could steal something and get away with it as well. But I didn't want to really get away with it because I did steal it. I stole a packet of crisps and nobody saw me. But I didn't want to keep the packet of crisps. So I was trying to put it back. And, then they, and these guys saw me putting the packet of crisps back. At which point, one of the guys, guys grabbed me by the neck. And he said, ah, I've been stealing food. I mean, these guys are stealing all the time. So I was trying to put the crisps back. And the guys came up to me and said, ah, Irvin's trying to steal the food, which was not true. I was just seeing if I could. <laughs> but they didn't know that. Uh, they didn't know that. And uh, anyway, they grabbed me by the hair, grabbed me by the ah, dragged me off to the headmaster, Mr. Backhouse. And knocked on his door and he said, yeah, come in. And they told him, we caught him stealing. So he believed them because there was a few of them all saying the same thing. And he stood me in his office and said this. He says, okay, Irvin. And he was a really lovely man. And he had this moral crusade. He, had a, um, he, wa he, was, he was driven by wanting his pupils to understand morals and good and bad and right and wrong and things like that. So he said, just tell me what happened, Irvin. So I told him. I told him that I was just trying to see if I could pick the crisps up and put them down again without anybody noticing. Hmm. Okay. What really happened? You were trying to steal these crisps, weren't you? No. Okay. So he sat down, he got on with some work. Ten minutes later, he looked up and said, Now, Irvin, were you trying to steal the crisps? No. Looked down, got on with some more work. Ten minutes later, looked up. Irvin, did you try to steal the crisps? No. This went on for two hours. Two hours. <laughs> huh? I was 10. From his point of view, I had been caught red-handed with the crisps in my hand that I hadn't paid for. So from his point of view, I was stealing crisps. So, but from my point of view, I wasn't trying to steal the crisps. 
and I wasn't going to confess to it until two hours came along and the realization hit me. He's going to stay here all night. I think he would. You know, he was so, he was an honorable man and he, and it, it, he considered his duty to help me learn how to tell the truth. So he was going to stay there until I broke. Well, I broke. Broke down in tears, cried. I knew there was no escape for me. And I knew the only escape was to tell a lie. So I said, yes, I was trying to steal the crisps. And he came over to me and he put his arm around me and he said, well done. That's absolutely great. Now you can go. No punishment. Sounds good, doesn't it? Just confess and you get no punishment. Well, let me tell you, I had already received some dreadful punishment. What beliefs grew suddenly had grown in my heart at that point? Belief number one, I am always going to be wrong when somebody challenges me. It doesn't matter what I say, if I tell the truth, I'm always going to be wrong. That was a belief that landed in my heart and stayed there. Another belief, I'm never going to escape. There's no escape. I will always be wrong, and I'll never escape out of this. And there's, there's nowhere to hide. And I, and I grew up with this, I'm always going to be persecuted feeling. People are always going to persecute me. And these were absolutely, boom, buried in my heart. You wouldn't think that just a two-hour episode could do this. But I have had to go back to this episode time and time again and say, God, you know, I've had to forgive everybody. And even when I became a Christian, my whole, my life, not my whole life, but a lot of my life was marked. You know, I've, I've struggled with authority. You know, if I, if I do something and then somebody in authority in the church comes and says, mm, what about this? Suddenly, I want to die. I know that there's just something very, very wrong with me. And, and I can't put my hand on it. I, I, can't, I can't really get hold of it. it just, I just know I'm wrong. And, and I'm always going to be wrong. And I'm always going to be disapproved of. And, and then God comes and says, I love you. I approve of you. And it sinks in a bit. But not a lot. Why? Because this room where that teaching wants to land is all full of all these packages of lies. Does that all make sense to you? So, we have a problem, guys, don't we? Because the problem is this. We've lived life. <laughs> Sorry to say, that's a problem. Um, and Andy said, you know, we... Andy said something. Is another bit of terminology Andy used. He says, you know, you want to kind of hide, run and hide in your safe place. Does that make, I think he said that, didn't he? Run into and hide in your place of safety. Well, what places of safety? 
We only need a safe place to go and hide, to go and be quiet, to go and hide from people. Why? Because I'm afraid of what these people are going to think of me. I'm afraid of the attitudes of these people towards me. I'm, I'm functioning on the lies. Does that make sense? And I'm functioning on the fear. I am afraid that these people are going to disapprove of me. So I need to hide away. My safe place is go and hide and put some music on. And listen, or write a poem. Or just hide away, walk in the countryside. Those are gr all great things, but sometimes they're hiding places as well. Right? They can be our safe places where we're simply hiding from pain, from fear, from people. Right? Jesus says, if you believe in me and if you continue to hold on to, <laughs> that's the great one. If you continue to hold on to my teaching, you're truly my disciples, and then the truth will, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So in order to fully engage with the grace of God, right? We've been, you've been talking about the Father Heart Week. We've been talking about grace. All of these incredible things that God has done in order to fully engage with that grace, in order to fully engage with that truth. We need to, A, know what the truth is. And that's going to be a large part of this week, okay? Talking about what the truth is. But also, we need to recognize. And you all recognize, don't you? There are some places in your lives where sometimes we just get stuck. And we, we can't kind of move forward. Can't kind of quite get past this way I have of reacting. Can't quite act as if I really believe this stuff. Right? And it's all held there by pain and lies. We are a new creation. But sometimes we don't believe it. Because we can't believe it. Because life has bashed us. And um, that's why, for centuries, the church has had, had an inner healing thing. I know that you will come across some people, some grace teachers, who say we do not need inner healing any longer because we are new creatures. The old man has died. Why are you trying to heal the old man? We're not. That's, not, that's nothing to do with inner healing. But what we're talking about is what Jesus was saying here. There are things which stop us keeping hold of that teaching. And we get stuck because the we just can't keep hold of it. Because there's too much stuff in there. Too many lies. Too much garbage. And some of what we're going to be doing this week is recognizing the garbage. I suppose we could call part of this week garbage recognition. Okay? <laughs> Garbage recognition. Let's just recognize where the garbage has come from, the pains and that that's holding the garbage there. And, once we, and when we recognize the garbage is there, we're going to be talking about some ways of throwing it out, clearing it out. Jesus has given us everything 
we need for holiness, godliness, everything, right? And you are going to, through this week, be recognizing some of that garbage. And we're going to be helping you to throw some of the garbage out. And then giving space to actually get hold, really, truly get hold without letting go of these incredible truths, this incredible truth of the grace that Jesus has poured on us. And we're going to step by step learn how to live, actually live in the truth of who we are, of who you are, who you actually are. Right? We're going to have some great times, some fun times. Uh, Sue has the great pleasure of doing the most fun teaching of all, don't you? When we're talking about the birth of lies in our lives. and I won't, I won't give any more of them that away, but it's, absolutely, it's going to be... It's not going to be all and intense. You know, we're going to have some fun. And, uh, but I guarantee, I pro- absolutely promise you that you will know in your knower more of who, about who you are by the end of this week. Really looking forward to it. We're simply learning how to access, how to access the grace that is in Jesus that he's given to each one of us. That's all this is all about, simply accessing that grace in which we serve. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.